I want to read a text this morning in, out of the book of Exodus, and I want to talk about an incredible mom in the Bible. Now, some of you guys don't check out on me because it's Mother's Day and you think this is going to be just a Mother's Day message, even though I am going to talk a little bit to the mothers, but I believe there's a lot of nuggets in here for all of us this morning. So I want you to lean into this. So here, let's look at this at chapter one of the book of Exodus. A new king came and to whom Joseph meant nothing to him, and he came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come. We must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become more, even more numerous, and if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor and built Python and Ramses and store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor and brick and mortar with all kinds of work in the fields. And in their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. And the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Sifra, Shifra and Pua, when you are helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on, on the delivery stool, if you see that baby is a boy, I want you to kill that baby. If it's a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, and he gave them families of their own. And then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into Denial, but let every girl live. I, 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 if you just kind of walk that scenario out for just a moment, you can imagine that childbirth is typically supposed to be a happy thing. In those days, they didn't have sonograms and any types of way of knowing what the baby is going to be. And can you imagine living in a time where your hope and desire was that if the baby was born, you were hoping it would be a girl? Lord, help you if you had a boy. And, and if you did have a boy, can you imagine the sorrow that would come over your life as the midwife would come and bring and present to you this child and, and, and you didn't even want to know. You, you knew you had to ask, but you didn't really want to ask. You, you were happy, but you were also perhaps going to be very sorrowful. What, 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 is, what is this? Is it a boy or is it a girl? And, and sadly, the midwife would say, it, 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 it's a boy. And you can imagine the mother holding the child and tears rolling down her cheeks as she knew in a matter of hours, perhaps days, she and her husband would make a journey to the dirty Nile River. Can you imagine standing on the Nile River? Other mothers there perhaps have been there for a few hours before you got there. And at some point, you have to take this perfectly good baby and toss it into this river and watch your child that you carried for nine months float down the river. You can imagine the groaning, the moaning, the, the, the heaviness, the weeping going on. You can imagine the depression that filled the nation, that covered the country. 
You can imagine the, the fathers going to the fields to labor again the next day and weeping as they as they, they worked, and you can imagine them coming home and their wife was still sitting in the corner like she was when they left that morning to go to work and she's still weeping and sobbing and crying and she falls into a depression and yet she herself in a matter of days has to go back to work and you can imagine just the heaviness across the nation as they're, as they're being told what to do with their children. Now, a man of the tribe of Levi, chapter two, verse one, married a Levite woman. And she became pregnant and gave birth to, oh my goodness, a son. But when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, we don't know what happened, but we could tell him, we could perhaps sense that there was crying going on and perhaps the daughter would come to mom and say, mama, yeah, we gotta do something. They're, they're starting to ask questions about what, what's going on in our house. They're hearing cries of a baby, what's happening? And, 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 and I don't know what to tell them. And, and when she realized she couldn't hide him any longer, she had got a papyrus basket for him. She coated it with, with tar and pitch. You can imagine this Moses, this mother taking this, this this woven basket and, and putting tar and pitch and, and you can imagine her crying and crying out to God during this process and, 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 and not knowing what is going to happen and she didn't she had no more options. Have you ever been to that point where you're just out of options and you don't know what in the world to do but you just do something you're just grasping for straws and so she's pitching this basket with tar and pitch and she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. She says, sweetheart, to her daughter, her, her daughter sit here at a distance and see what's, see what's going to happen to him. Mm. Have you ever been there, mama? I don't know what's going to happen to my child. I, I, I'm going to have to give my child up to the Lord. I, I don't know what's going to happen to him. So she does. And then... Oh my goodness. And out of nowhere, the Pharaoh's daughter shows up, went to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds, sent her female slave to get it. She opened it, saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This was one of those Hebrew babies. And then his sister came up out of nowhere and said, hey, hey, what you got? Well, I got a little, a little baby. Hey, you want me to go get one of those Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? This is the, Moses' actually sisters. Yes, go. And she answered it. The girl went, got Moses' mother. Of course, I, the Bible implies that the Pharaoh's daughter never knows this is Moses' mother. It's like kept under wraps. So she goes and she takes, so the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. And, and she named him Moses saying, I drew him out of the water. And one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were. He watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating the Hebrew, one of their own people. Looked this way, looked that way. Seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. I want to talk this morning about drawing out greatness a mother and drawing out greatness. Let me give you a little groundwork before. We see here in the passage that Moses' name means to draw out. 
And I believe everybody has locked inside of them greatness. And I believe also that God wants to draw out the greatness that's within you. And I believe there's a process of greatness coming out. Because how many know, if you're a born-again Christian, Christ, you are made in the image of Christ, and Christ lives inside of you. How, I don't know what you think about yourself, but there's something great living inside of you. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you, you got something great inside of you. Go ahead and tell them. They, they need to hear that this morning. And sometimes, how, however, greatness, this greatness that's inside of us, doesn't seem like there's anything great at all. In fact, floating down this ambiguous river undetected by everyone was greatness. Little did people know what was actually floating down the river. Greatness can grow up sometimes right underneath your nose and you don't even know it. It can easily be missed. It can be oversimplified. We can sometimes even belittle greatness. And we, if we're not careful, we will miss greatness altogether. Is, is, is the, the Bible even said about Jesus in Mark chapter 6, they said, isn't this, uh, talking about Jesus, isn't this the, the carpenter's son? I mean, what, this, isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, Simon, and aren't his sisters here with us? They, they took offense at him. There was the greatest man ever in the history of the world to walk the earth, and they took offense at him because they couldn't recognize greatness. I think we need to have sometimes a, 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 a refocus and ask the Lord, God, show us greatness. Show me greatness. Show me greatness here and show me greatness here. Greatness. Greatness lives inside of us. It can be easily, easily disregarded and we can reason greatness away. We can choose to put a lid on the greatness that lives within us. This morning, I want to encourage you. I want you to leave this building this morning, and I want you to know that there is something great inside of you that needs to be drawn out. It has to be drawn out. It's imperative that the greatness, the Christ in you, has to be drawn out of you and the, so, so it can affect the world and people's lives can be changed. Moses would one day become one of the great, and his time he was the greatest individual in the history of man in his time. He would become he, a man that would have conversations with God audibly. He would be a man that was so comfortable being in the presence of God that God could even come down with his finger and write laws on rocks in front of him. He would be lost in the presence of God like a cloud. He would come down from the presence of God. So shining was he that people would have to put a cover over his head so they couldn't stand being around his presence. We're talking about a man who learned how to become great uh, and greatness came out of him. Can I just challenge you this morning and let you believe that there's greatness inside of you? I don't care what you've done. I don't know what you've done in your past. I don't know what your past looks like. Uh, it could be a basket full of uh, floating down a river. You could be full of things with crocodiles and snakes around you, all sorts of problems and issues growing up. Uh, but let me tell you something. When God gets done with you, greatness is going to come out of you. Oh, it's going to come out. Have you ever misjudged greatness? Have you ever overlooked greatness? I was so blessed this morning, I, uh, this Wednesday, this past Wednesday, I got a call from uh, my cousin's husband. They live out in Texas, and he called me up. He said, bro, what's happening? I said, oh, what's going on? He goes, how's the family? I talked about the family a little bit. How's your mom? Talked about mom a little bit. And, and he goes, let me tell you something. You want to hear some good news? I said, absolutely. He goes, sit down, sit down. I said, okay. I sat down. He goes, let me tell you something. What's going on? 
Now, this is my cousin. He, he works for a pharmaceutical company. He's a sales rep. You know, for the world standards, he's, you know, no, nothing major, just, just a guy that loves Jesus. He said, you know, you know my children, you know, my three kids, they, 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 were, they love skiing, they love water, uh, wakeboarding, things like that. And uh, so some of my children, they wanted to go wakeboarding, and, and so they brought some friends with them that, um, you know, were having some issues. And so we would go wakeboarding out in the boat, and then after we would get done, uh, we would talk about the Lord and share scripture, and I, I would tell them a little bit of the principles that I knew about the Word of God. He says, well, I started doing this, and another guy, a friend of mine, started doing it with his boat, and next thing you know, they're bringing all their friends. He goes, next thing you know, he said, JP, get this. We had 160 college-age students at the boathouse last night listening about God. We average 140 kids. All they want to do is they want to hear about God. He goes, and he goes, get this, we haven't had the boat in the water in six months. They just keep coming every week. It don't matter. We just gather there at the boathouse and we talk about Jesus. He goes, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. I said, man, I'm just rejoicing with you. He goes, oh, that's nothing. So what do you mean that's nothing? He goes, yeah. Yeah, one of my, my boy, you know, he's playing football up in Arkansas, yeah? And so they're having this, uh, he, he has this Bible study with a couple of his other teammates. And, and so anyway, one of the, the, the players, the receiver, um, got hurt. He tore his, uh, whatever this is, his cat, whatever that's called. Hamstring, thank you. He tore hamstring, so that we literally had to carry him up to the, the they live off campus out in the apartment, and uh, so he, he's on crutches, he can't, so anyway, we're having this little Bible study, he's there, a friend of mine, uh, the guys come, he comes over, and he sees him sitting there with a hamstring, he goes, hey, you, you know, God can heal that, and he goes, yeah, yeah, he goes, you know, I, I, can I pray for you? He goes, yeah, you can pray, everyone else is praying, well, you might as well pray. He goes, well, I'm going to pray, and you're going to be healed. He goes, okay, whatever. So that guy, that student, went over there. He laid his hands on his leg, and he said, in Jesus' name, you're healed. He goes, thank you. He goes, no, I said, you're healed. He goes, yeah, I said, thank you. He said, no, you're healed. Stand up. No crutches, just stand up. He goes, uh, and he stood up. He's like, whoa. And he goes, now, squat down. And he squatted down. He goes, he started, and he started doing scissor squats. He's like, ha, ah, ah. And he starts jumping up, and he's like, ah, ah. It's like this. And he, and he starts crying, he did, but he, he's such a man, he didn't want to see his, his, his friends see him cry. So it was, even though it was raining outside, he ran out the door, ran down the steps with his, you know, new leg, and just fell on the ground outside crying, sobbing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, well, 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 we're not done, no, no. And so, so this lady comes out of the apartment and she walks up and she, in the rain, and she goes, you okay? He goes, oh, I'm okay. She goes, why are you crying? You, you said something wrong? She goes, oh, it's all good. Jesus just healed me. I, I had a torn uh, hamstring and... <laughs> And, and, and God just, they laid their hands on it, and, they, they, and it's, look, 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 I'm healed. He, Jesus, God, he healed me. And she starts crying in the rain. He goes, why are you crying? She goes, because I was sitting at my kitchen table, 
And I told God, if you're real, then you better show up now because I'm about to kill myself. She's crying, she's crying, she's crying. And she said, I heard this commotion outside. I heard something coming down the steps. I, I, I heard somebody crying. I just came out to check on you. And look at God healed you. And that is a sign to me that God is real and God loves me. I want to know God. Will you pray with me too? I, oh, my Lord Jesus. Greatness. Greatness, greatness is right under your nose. It's in your life as well. Your, your whole office complex, your apartment complex, your neighborhood can come to know the power of the saving grace of Jesus. You're not just a nobody. You're, you're just, just a person in love with Jesus and greatness lives inside of you. Turn to your neighbor one more time. Tell him you're just not a nobody anymore. Come on. There's greatness inside of you. I want to quickly, ever so quickly, give you four tools that God uses to draw out greatness. Number one is a mother. Moses' mother is in a crisis. Aren't you glad the Bible doesn't pass over the ugly stuff? Aren't you glad the Bible is full of scripture and stories that show us people in a mess and how God got them out? She's in a crisis, you can imagine. And she births a child that she can't even take care of. She has the strength to produce this child, but she doesn't have the means to fulfill it. She's brokenhearted. She's produced something that she's not even allowed to nurture. But here's the good news. Moses' mama if I can say it like an Alabamian, ain't no normal mama. Because she knows, she looked at that child and she goes, that's a fine child. What, what do you mean by that? She looked at that child and she goes, that's a world changer right here. That's a world changer. I believe every mother needs six things in their life to become a great mother. Number one, she needs a deep sense of importance. Moses' mother's name is Jochebed. Her name means God's glory. It's the first time we ever see anyone in the Bible mentioned, first time anyone's ever mentioned with the name God connected to their name. God waits till Moses' mother arrives on the scene, Jochebed, this is God's glory. I'm gonna be attached to this woman. And my glory is going to be attached to this woman. Embedded deep within this heart, I believe, of this woman, Jochebed, was a knowing, was a sense uh, that she was here to produce glory in the earth. Don't shout me down. Because you're sitting next to a Jochebed right now. Listen, she realized that she was here on the earth to usher in the presence of God in the earth. What is the glory of God? It's the presence of God. It's the heaviness of God. She realized, even if probably as a young child, that there was a sense that God's hand was upon her. And somehow, some way, she was going to make a difference in the earth. And the presence of God was somehow going to be ushered into the earth. I don't know how. I don't know what it's going to look like. But I know that's the hand of God on my life. I'm a Jochebed. 
In fact, Hebrews chapter 2 says, and I used to pray this all the time, oh Lord God, I thank you that the earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And I, for some reason, I kind of thought it was like, I don't know what that looks like, maybe some vapor, some clouds, some, I don't know what it is, but I know that the whole world one day is going to have this like, whoo, awakening, and oh, there's a there's, there's God, and I can just kind of feel something different. I, and so I just would pray these vague prayers. God, fill the earth, uh, cover the earth with your glory as the waters cover the sea. And it dawned on me, hello, JP, you are a carrier of the glory of the Lord yourself. It's not some vapor, some mist. It's the, pe- the world will be filled with a people that understand that they are carriers of the greatness of the almighty God, the glory of God. And no matter where you look and wherever you go, you're going to be bumping into people who find themselves uh, filled with the glory of God. Come on. The whole earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. You will, you'll see there'll be conversations perhaps in heaven one day and a person will stand and they'll go, oh my goodness, I didn't know, God, you were this great. And God would go, Romans chapter 1, couldn't you just look up in the sky and not see my greatness? Could you not look at creation and see that there is a God? But beyond that, what about, what about Mike? You worked next to him for three years. Did you not see his glory? Did you not see my glory in Mike? What about Sonia? You were married to her for 19 years. You, were, you lived with the glory of God. What about, what about uh, Tina that you went to school with for, for several years and she was filled with the glory of God? You, you know, you've seen the glory of God before. You go to Walmart, you go to restaurant, wherever you go, you're carrying the glory of God right with you. Man, that's humbling, isn't it? And the good news is that as we carry this glory of the Lord, it's just like baptizing the earth. The whole earth is being like covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. Hmm. My, we, my, I, I bought my wife, as you know, she's back in the nursery right now. That's why she's not here. But she, I bought her because you know how she loves water. She all, you know, y'all know, we talked, talked about this. She loves bottles of water. And I, I realized I, I could probably buy three houses with the amounts of bottles of water that we were using all the time. So I, I invested in a, in a little water filtration system. And so last night, she went to bed and, and we went to bed. Before she, we went to bed, she filled the top part, the top part drains into the bottom part and you drink out of the bottom part. I woke up the morning, there was a flood of water on the floor. She had forgotten or didn't realize that, that the bottom container could only take so much and already had some in it, quite a bit actually. And so what she did was she just added more upon more. And so I cleaned up the entire area and and it reminded me, I'm cleaning this up, and the Lord's like, that's called an outpouring, son. It's an outpouring. And that's what God does with you. He, he pours on and pours in and pours in. He's like, it's like you're like, he <laughs> can't get it out fast enough. And it's the glory of God covering the earth. It's an outpouring of the Lord. We're waiting for some outpouring from heaven. And God goes, the outpouring comes from you. You are the outpouring of the glory of God. Oh, come on, turn to your neighbor and tell them this is good preaching right here. You need to listen to this. You are the outpouring. Quit praying for some outpouring to take place, some, some, some kind of revival that's just ever, that you don't even know what it looks like. You are the outpouring of God. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, brother. Number two, under point number one. 
we're not going to, oh, my Lord. Number two, a mother needs convictions. She doesn't, this mother, Mr. Jacobet, she, she don't care what Pharaoh said. Pharaoh who? Pharaoh said what? Kill my son? Oh, no, no, honey. Uh-uh. No, no. That's not going to happen on my watch. I've got me a fine boy right there. But you're going to have to do something with him. I mean, you're going to get in trouble. I'll let him go sit on his throne and get, and get bed sores or what's the seat sores. I don't care what he is. Let him walk around his pyramids a couple times. I don't care about that old Pharaoh. I, I, I got some convictions. I'm not killing this child. Because you told me I need to kill this child. I'm keeping this child. And people around her say, listen, listen, to this child, don't, don't be having kids now. The world's a mess. The world's a mess. Just look at the news. The world's a mess. You don't need to be having no kids. You can get married, but don't have no kids. They're going to get messed up. And it's a bad world out there. It's not, it's not going to work. But she says, no, no, no. I'm going to dedicate this child to the Lord, and God's going to help me take care of this child. Because she knows the world, guess what, needs a deliverer. When you're parenting, mama and daddy, when you're parenting, you need to raise your child knowing in your heart that you're raising a deliverer. That right in that bed next to you in the next room lies greatness. is a deliverer from the almighty God. And he's given you the opportunity and the privilege uh, to train them up in the ways of the Lord. So when they grow old, they'll never depart from them. You're raising up a, a deliverer for the kingdom of God. Man, I'll tell you what, I, I had the privilege of being able to watch my granddaughter yesterday, and I'm, so I get to put her down for a nap, and I put her down for a nap, and my, she's so funny. She goes down for a nap, and she does this. She lays down her pillow, and she goes like this. Thankfully, I was clued in. That means you're supposed to, like, rub her arm for some reason. I know she likes you rubbing her arm. So she just laid there, and I'm doing this. And I started speaking into her life. She's just laying there and I said, you are born for greatness. The praises of God shall come from your mouth, sweetheart. The glory of the Lord is going to be seen from your life as you grow older. She's just laying there. She has no idea she's getting a kingdom infusion right there. Come on. Your child isn't a problem. Your child is a deliverer. Well, I don't know. It looks... He seems like he's a demon to me. But that demon is going to get saved. I was thought we were the fire department, our small group this morning. Appreciate Johnny Walker. Every Sunday morning just there pouring into these fire department guys. And, and uh, we were there. And I said to this, asked, this a new guy, I said, tell him, give your testimony. And he said, man, I, I hated, I hated, I hated everything. I was an angry man. I was an angry man. My dad would fast for me every Tuesday for a year. I said, did you know he was fasting for you? He goes, I never knew. But every Tuesday he would go without food and he would fast and pray and intercede for my salvation. He said, Pastor, I was on everything you could imagine. I did all the drugs, even crystal, crystal uh, meth. I was on stuff that you're not even supposed to get off of. 
But somehow, supernaturally, I, I, I just got so angry and tired and angry of being angry that my dad was out there in the bean in the garden picking beans. I went out and I, I, I walked up to him and I said, I'm tired of being angry. I'm tired of being who I am. I, I need God in my life. And his father said, meet me at church tonight. And he went to the church that night and he gave his heart to Jesus. And ever since he's been walking with the Lord, I'm talking about greatness. He can even be picking beans out in the garden next door. There's two ways to raise a child. You can either fear he's going to be another problem swallowed up by the world, or you can believe that they're going to change the world. It's all up to you. And I think this is all we have time for. I'm sorry. But worship team, you're going to have to come. Well, I know you're sad, but the people back there watching your kid are happy. You forget about that, don't you? My wife lets me know quite often, that was too long. I said, but they seem to like it. They said, you're talking to the wrong people. <laughs> a woman of God, a mother, has got to be tough. She's going to be tough. Old Jochebed was tough. She was a tough old woman. You didn't get nothing past her. And I believe we got some tough women in this house. We got some tough mamas in this house. Oh, you know you're tough. Down deep in your heart, you know you're tough. You had three kids. Your husband walked out on you. Never paid any kind of child support for you. Never checked in on the kids, never remembered their birthdays. Never, never gave a phone call to your kids. You sat there nursing your kid when they were sick and had fever and a cold and trying to answer the best you could your child's questions. How come daddy never checks on us? Where's daddy? How come he never shows up? And you, you were there. You took the hurt. You took the pain. Scratching, out of living, scrimping, saving, pinching, doing without working two jobs, and yet you never miss bringing your child to the house of God. You taught your child at a very young age, you're going to love the Lord. Here's what the Lord looks like. Here's, what, here's how, what it looks like to walk with the Lord. And in fact, when you grow older, you're going, you're going to learn how to be a person who's proud of who they are. And you're going to walk with your chest out and your shoulders out as back and, and your chin held up high. And you're going to look at people in the eyeball and you're going to put your hand out and you're going to introduce yourself. And I want to teach you how to be a man of God. I want to teach you how to be a woman of God. Why? Because you are one tough cookie. You're a woman who has convictions. And yet the whole world may be turned upside down in your life. Uh, it don't matter. You're going to raise your child to know God and to love God and to seek God and to follow God. And now your son's six foot five, 300 pounds. You're five foot six, weigh 105 pounds, ringing wet, and he is scared to death of you. Come on, come on. We got some tough cookies. She give you them eyeballs and she look up at you and she put that finger at your face and go, don't you ever do that again. Yes, mama, yes, mama, yes, mama. Can I bring us one more, number four? 
We'll just try it. A mother has to have the ability to see value and worth of their child. She realized that the world needed her child. Number five, she had a nurturing heart. It is no, it is no uh, accident, but I'll tell you right up, my wife, the mother of our house, is the glue that holds our house together. She is stronger than Elmer's glue, uh, super glue, uh, with that King Kong glue, what all that got out there. <laughs> she is all those glues together. I'm, I'm my kids will tell you, listen, if there wasn't, if it wasn't for her, there'd be no birthdays in our house. There'd be no, no pictures on the wall. There'd be no blinds, curtains on the windows. There wouldn't even be furniture in the house. There'd be a lawn chair and a TV and a microwave. There wouldn't be any happies unexpectedly show up at your door. There wouldn't be any soap, towels, clean clothes. You're a nurturer. And number six, you're sensitive to the spirit. You're sensitive to the Spirit. Mm. You have this ability that God's given you to somehow know what to do when the hard spots come. This Jacobet, she has no idea. What am I going to do? I, I know I can't throw my child in some river, but I know I can't raise them either. What, God, what am I going to do? What's the answer? A basket. Put him in a basket. And when you put him in the basket and you place him in the river, give him to me. I'll take care of your boy. You have a spiritual sensitivity. You just know what you're supposed to do. God speaks clearly to us in the hard spots. And you have to know, mothers, when to let go. You got to know when it's time to take your hands off your your child and to let them go out into the world where there's crocodiles and snakes and all sorts of dangers. You're not the parent anymore. You got to let them go. Come on, they're 40 years old living in your basement. Let them go. Let them go. Let them go and become the world changer, become the person that God created them to be. You're, You're you're inhibiting the Lord. You're, you're stopping God from doing what God, God's got a plan. Oh, she didn't know it, but God had a plan. But the plan started when she literally pushed the basket out into the river. And some of you mamas here need to let Junior go. In fact, if you do not let him go, he's going to despise you and hate you the rest of his life. Well, I'm just scared he's going to get in trouble. I'm scared. Well, you know what? He'll learn, right? You got to let him go. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I believe this morning I'm talking to a few people here. You're good mothers. You love God. And you know that your child has been a gift and a blessing to you. And you've had some rough spots and some hard challenges in the past. But God has 
given you something precious. And he's helped you all the way up until now. And he's coming to you and he's, he's wanting to encourage you today that you're raising something great. Maybe your years of raising a child are over. You have a grandchild. Perhaps you have great-grandchildren. And your influence is probably even more important now than it was then. And so I pray for the mothers in the house. If you're a mother in this house, would you just raise your hand right where you're at? Just raise your hand all across this room. Mother, grandmother, great-grandmother. Amen. Just keep them held real, real high. Father God, you see these incredible women. They're not just typical women. They love you. And Lord, we declare today that you are going to help them train up their child in the way they should go. Thank you that their child was born for such a time as this. There's a few mothers in here, and basically you, you've, you've almost given up. I mean, you, you never give up, but there's so, the, the, the belief and the hope that your child will ever turn to God has become very, very dim. And today, the Lord blows into that, just like that father who fasted once a week for his son until his son came to know Jesus. In the name of the Lord, I pray encouragement over the mothers in this room. I pray that, Lord, again, they will rise up and they will believe and hope that you, Lord God, are going to save because there is a lamb for every household your word promises us. And so, Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice that you have made for our children. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. You can put your hands down. Thank you. And you're here this morning. And you're like, man, you know, what a powerful God. That story of Moses is incredible. But let me tell you something. The greatness that God has for you, just like he had in store for Moses, begins with a relationship with the Father. How does that happen, Pastor? It happens when you turn your life over to him and say, Father, forgive me for what I've done. Come into my heart. And so this morning, I'll cross this room, heads bowed, eyes closed. And you say, you know, today, I, on this Mother's Day, I believe it's the time that I need to surrender my life to the Lord. I'm gonna give my heart to the Lord right where you're sitting. I'm just gonna say a prayer for you. But if that's you and you say, Pastor, I wanna know Jesus. I wanna make him the Lord of my life. Right where you at, would you just raise your hand? Would you just raise your hand right where you're at? Come on, raise it high. I wanna know Jesus. I'm making him the Lord of my life today. Amen. Making him the Lord of my life today, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna have our prayer teams come up to the front and they'll be standing here as we get ready to dismiss second. And uh, Patrick's going to come and dismiss us. But I just want to just tell the mothers in the house that God's hand is upon you. And just like Jochebed, God's glory lives inside of you. And guess what? God's glory is going to come and manifest itself even greater into your children and your children's children. Pastor Kemp, when he prays, I love listening to him pray. And he always ends his prayer, God bless our children and our children's children. I love that because it's a generational God. 
We're always speaking into the lives of our children. If you need prayer for anything this morning, anything in your life, if you want to give your heart to the Lord, we want to pray with you up front. Today, we, as we get ready to dismiss, man, just feel free to come up and have some prayer with us. We'd love to have that opportunity to pray with you. God bless you.